Welcome and thanks for tuning in. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics that we'll explore, remember, the areas you're moving into are always most important. Plan well and move to protect others and yourself. That's how you deliver flawless service and move America safely. So enjoy life and enjoy this podcast. Back with another Keeping It Rail podcast. Travis here. Jason will not be joining me for this episode. Instead, I'll be joined by Joe Jira. He's one of our maintenance group leaders. Joe and I are going to talk about how drivers can properly maintain their equipment through the cold winter months. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, so I guess let's just jump into it. What do you got first? The first thing I want to cover is draining any moisture out of your air tanks. So the trucks have air tanks on them that are supposed to be have air only in them, but moisture from condensation will get into your air tanks. Below your driver's door, open up the little cover there and look down next to your batteries. You'll see a little cable there. Grab a hold of that cable, give it a quick tug. And what that is, just a spring-loaded valve that uh, when you pull on that cable, it releases a little pressure out of the tank and any moisture that may be in the tank, it'll spit it out at that point and, and get it out of your tanks. And that's just down to the left, right? They look by the batteries to the left, right? That's correct. Uh, some trucks will have a second cable on the right side of the batteries. Nice. Same thing, just reach down, give it a quick tug, and it will release any moisture that's in the tank. And do they have to, if there's two cables, are they, do they want to do each one? Correct. If there's, if there's two cables, give each of them a quick tug. And just a little bit, not long, right? That's right. Normally, if you're hearing good air coming out, that's all you need is a quick couple little tugs, kind of like you're tooting a horn. Uh, if, you're, if you're hearing a lot of water coming out, kind of bubbling and making some liquid noises, or you're getting a puddle on the ground, you may want to drain it a little bit longer until you get clear air coming out. It's, it's pretty evident once you get to the point where the, where the, moisture, the moisture is out, that the sound of that air coming out is a completely different sound from water coming out. Okay. So it's, it'll be a clear indication. We want to get any of that moisture out of the tanks before it ha- before it uh, accumulates in there and freezes, and can cause problems with the air system on the on the truck and trailer. How often should a driver be draining that? Should get in the, you should get in the habit of draining that each time you fuel. So every time you're fueling the truck, just flip that cover down, give that cable a quick tug, and and we'll be successful. Nice. All right. What else you got? Important tip is carrying a fuel filter. We don't typically have a driver change a fuel filter because it is a little complex, but just having a fuel filter in the truck is very important. We send out a road service, and if they have the wrong filter, grabbing the filter out of the side box, providing it can get us up and going a lot quicker. Uh, We do stock all the trucks with a fuel filter, and we check and make sure one is in there each time we do an oil change, but keep that filter in there. Uh, if you don't have one, stop at our parts counters and we will get you a replacement. Speaking of moisture and fuel filters, draining the moisture, the water that gets separated from the fuel is also important. So when a driver stops uh, and it's cold, they want to turn off the truck, open the hood while the engine is still warm, uh, get a 
empty plastic bottle and drain the water from the fuel filter that gets separated. And uh, they'll know when to stop draining when they start to see fuel and not water. Uh, close it back up and dispose of whatever was drained into that plastic bottle properly. Doing that will keep the diesel flowing like it should so everything works nice. What's next? Windshield washer fluid. The fluid we issue in our terminals is rated for 20 below. When you're buying fluid on the road, look for that same rating. Uh, it lessens the chance of it freezing up in your nozzles. Just be aware that that fluid can still freeze in your nozzles when it's really cold out. We only see this problem when it's really cold out. And when it's, when it's really cold, we typically don't need, your wa need the washers because the, the roads are clear. It's not sloppy, and you're not getting a lot of spray on your windshield. So, Yeah. And uh, before a driver leaves a truck stop, let's say they're at a truck stop, good thing maybe wash the windows if they're a little dirty before you head out on that cold, cold day? Correct. Clean that, clean that windshield off before you start, and then you shouldn't, uh, shouldn't need much washer fluid nice. for the trip. Yeah. What do you got next? An another tip is keeping the forward-facing radar on your truck clear of snow and ice. When you're driving in snowy conditions, that snow can build up on, on that sensor, and that sensor is located in the center of your front bumper. Also, the newer trucks have a, have a side-facing radar. That same, same scenario can happen there. That's a black box on the side of the truck. Just uh, keep the snow cleaned off of that, and uh, it should work, work well. Uh, if that, uh, you get too much snow on there, it can deactivate the system. So at that point, just need to stop. Clean the snow off of that sensor, and system will 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 again work. And stop at a safe and legal location to do that, right? Correct. That's also something they should look at before they leave, too, right? Make sure it's clean. Correct. When you're doing your walk around your truck, that's that's part of your inspection. Just take a quick glance at that. If you see any snow building up on it, clean it off, and to be successful driving. And same with that side, uh, passenger side. Correct. The side sensor can build up with snow as well, so take a quick look at that as you're walking around your truck. Nice. All right. Another tip is to have a backup plan for your truck keys. We see cases where the driver will jump out of the truck for a quick minute and accidentally lock the truck and not able to get back in it. So think about that ahead of time, especially in the winter when it's really cold. Uh, you don't want to be locked out of your truck. So think about what your backup plan is if something like that happens. A couple tips, keep a, key, keep a spare key in your wallet, uh, keep a key on your lanyard, things like that. But just have a backup plan so if you accidentally lock yourself out, you can get back in the truck. Yeah. What else? Tire cable chains are, are another winter topic to talk about. Uh, if you're going west, we you will need tire chains. Stop at the terminals. We have them to be issued. Uh, they're really only needed if you're going west through the states that require chains. Make a plan ahead of time. Once you get uh, get out there, it's very difficult to find chains. So make a plan before you, before you, before you start heading west. Uh, key point with that also is we don't use chains to drive into bad situations. If it's if the road conditions are poor, where we need chains, we should be stopping and waiting the storm out. Uh, the chains are just to get yourself out of a bad situation, not to not to get get yourself into one. 
some states or some areas will have checkpoints where they'll check for chains and if you do not have chains they will not allow you to continue so you don't necessarily need the chains on the truck but you'll need to have them in the truck to continue on past these checkpoints if you don't have the chains you're not going to be able to continue on you'll need to talk with your fleet manager and and make a plan uh, at that point uh, our, our options are pretty limited we somehow need to get you a set of chains or turn around or make another plan with uh, with with that load all right uh, what else fifth wheel is another another big topic for winter uh, the fifth wheel is is has lubricant and some grease and oil in it cold grease just gets stiff and it doesn't want to work the same that it does in warm weather so uh, what it can do is is cause your fifth wheel not to fully latch so it's just very important when you're hooking to a trailer to do your three-point inspection it's just very important to make sure there's no no gap between your fifth wheel and the trailer also with your flashlight you'll need to 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 look from behind and make sure that the jaw is across behind the pin and then it's very critical that the fifth wheel handle goes all the way in that's probably the more common thing that we see when that grease gets really thick the handle has a tendency not to go all the way in there's really nothing defective with the fifth wheel it's just the grease is is causing that that handle to to stick a little bit at that point you can push that handle in as long as the handle goes all the way in the jaws across and there's no gap you will not have a disconnect so very critical to check that again the colder it is the more likely you'll have problems so the, again the colder it is the more important it is to be inspecting that and the colder it is uh, the less enjoyable it is for the driver right <laughs> that's that's correct yeah uh, in that situation, probably the last thing on your mind is is doing that inspection. You want to get back in the cab, but uh, it's just more critical than ever to check it in those cold conditions. And when it gets cold, we almost have to uh, move at a little slower pace, but yet still do everything that needs to be done, right? That's correct. So it's going to be a little cold, so dress warm. Correct. Yeah. Dressing, dressing for the cold makes it a lot more tolerable. Uh, you get that uh, when it when it's really cold. Uh, none of us like to be out there, but uh, yeah, it's just very critical that we do these do these uh, safety inspections. Now, if I'm standing by a truck and a trailer, I'm looking uh, at the truck and the trailer from the side, and I'm about to connect to the trailer. What am I looking at as far as that fifth wheel compared to the trailer? What what's a good verbal description of a good height? The front of the trailer will be hitting the ramp on your on your fifth wheel and it needs to be lifting your trailer up a little bit if you're backing underneath your trailer and there's no resistance and you're you're just slipping underneath the trailer you need to stop at that point get out of the truck and see what's going on uh, if the trailer's too high that can cause a high hook and and cause uh, a, a uh, improperly connected trailer if anybody wants to know any more detail about how to properly couple uh, we've got a lot of information out there. Uh, yeah, just ask around, ask your leader. They can probably point you in the right direction. That's correct. There's specific job aids out there for, for Lap and Pal for, for properly connecting to a trailer and disconnecting from a trailer.
Yeah. So fleet management, get comfortable, get familiar with that, right? That's correct. Okay. So uh, that covers the height of the trailer compared to the fifth wheel. Now, what's the second step? Second step is with your flashlight crawling behind the truck and looking into the into the center of your fifth wheel from the back. You'll see... And this is after they've connected, right? That's correct. So that when you're looking in there, you'll either see a pin, the pin or a black metal jaw that comes across or a wedge that comes across. So that you, it's very critical that that jaw or that wedge is behind your pin. If you're looking in there and you're seeing your pin, we do not have a hook. So you, it's very critical that you're seeing that bar coming come across behind the pin to capture that pin in. And then the handle, they can push on that a little bit in and make sure it's in there all the way? Correct. That works? Don't be afraid to grab that handle, give it a push, make sure it's in all the way. But it's that's another critical part of the of the three-point inspection. The handle needs to be all the way in. If that handle is out an inch or two, that is gives you a false sense of a hook. It may feel like you're hooked, but it can come disconnected once you once you start moving. So always check that handle. Make sure that the handle is all the way into the fifth wheel to ensure that it is hooked. And it may be a good thing for a newer driver or any driver to make sure they're familiar with what's all the way in, what's all the way out, how that thing works, right? Correct. Get a good sense of what all the way in looks like. Uh, but that, that handle loop will be all the way up to your fifth wheel. If it's, if it's not all the way in, you're not hooked, just get a sense of that ahead of time, what a, what a fully latched handle looks like. It's a fairly quick inspection to make sure, checking those three points, making sure everything is good. The alternative is if we, if we have a disconnect, uh, it's, it's, it causes quite a bit of damage and lengthy downtime to get those, get that damage repaired and getting your, getting your truck inspected for, for any further damage. And our driver's clock continues to tick and they're not getting any miles. They're not moving any customer freight when then something like that happens. That's correct. So it's critical that they really take care at connecting, right? Correct. Yes. Nice. All right. What else? Wintertime, uh, we do have issues with trailer brakes and sometimes the tractor brakes freezing to the brake drum. So what happens when driving in snowy conditions, water can get into your brake drum and it really doesn't cause a problem until you park for the night in freezing temperatures. Then what can happen is that water can freeze your brake pad to the brake drum. And then when you go to leave in the morning, you, you you try to leave and your wheel won't turn because your brake pad is frozen. So to check for that, it's just very important when when you start your trip out, you pull ahead about three feet, stop, get out of the truck, and go and make sure that the trailer, all the trailer wheels have turned. If a trailer wheel didn't turn, we're we're dragging that tire, causing damage to it. So just very critical we check that. Truck tires too, right? Truck tires too. It's not not as common there, but you you can have the same scenario. What should they do to make sure it's turning? You can make a scuff mark with your with your shoe on the tire. Uh, if if 
if you're not if you're not confident a lot of times you can see that the tire turn either a frost mark on the tire or just seeing the ground that uh, where you where you pull it will give you indications if the tires turning or, or not but uh, that is a that is a tip you can do is just give a take your take your shoe and just kind of put a scuff mark down the tire right at the bottom then when you pull ahead if that scuff mark is still at the bottom we know the tire didn't rotate and we we have a a dragging tire yeah and then after that rotation that's a good time to check uh, what was once on the ground right on that tire that's correct we need to inspect the entire tire look at the look at the whole tire for any damage any slid marks any bald spots also looking for nails or anything that could cause a problem but it is important um, to to look at that entire tire that's why we we should be looking at the tires then pulling forward a few feet so we can inspect the part of the tire that was on the ground and verifying there's no there's no damage or any any issues with the tires if you do see any any sign of a drag tire or a ball tire or any anything that needs that anything of concern we need to call that in report it so that it's on record and um, we can make a plan to get it taken care of uh, going back a little bit what if the brake drum is frozen what should they do to drivers if you do have a frozen brake drum what you can do is is uh, say it's a frozen trailer brake set your tractor brakes release your trailer brakes go to the back of that wheel with that is frozen take a hammer and you can beat on the brake drum so the brake drum is the big dish shaped heavy iron piece that's inside of the wheel uh, beat on the beat on that brake drum with a hammer sometimes a big long heavy punch can help you out or even uh, uh, if you have a have a winch bar sometimes that can help to bang on it normally your bottom pad is the one that's going to be frozen so that's where it's kind of important to beat on it to try to break that loose um, bang on it a few times Sometimes you can hear a change in the tone. So when you're hammering on that, you'll hear kind of a dull. And then when it breaks free, you'll hear a, the tone change. And that's a good indicator that it's free. And at that point, um, you can get back in the truck, pull ahead a few more feet, recheck, and make sure the wheel is rotating. Now, do they have to be careful when they hit on this thing? Can they damage the brake drum by hitting on it? It's a pretty stout piece of metal so you're not going to break it by beating on it it's just probably more important that you that you hammer on the brake drum that's really the only thing that's going to free up that brake and if a driver questions if they're hitting the right thing they want to connect with fleet management and make sure that fleet management also understands what this thing looks like exactly right and where it's at correct and in a, in a quick call in the maintenance support they can help you out to kind of walk you through live what to be looking for, where to hammer, what to, what to do there. Yeah, They're so a good resource as well. Next topic, uh, going to cover when you get hooked to that trailer. Uh, sometimes it's it, it you're in a stuck situation where you you can't pull that trailer out, or the alternative is trying to disconnect from a trailer, getting out from underneath that underneath that trailer. If you have a problem where you have a, a wheel spinning and you're not able to move a few things to first check is make sure if you're trying to pull the trailer that your trailer brakes are free make sure your hoses are hooked up properly uh, if you're trying to disconnect from a trailer 
double check your fifth wheel didn't relatch and it is it is truly uh, truly released at that point if you're still stuck and spinning tires uh, what you can do is lock in your power divider lock that'll be a switch on your dash that's labeled PDL or interaxle diff and what that will do is engage a lock a differential lock between your axles so instead of potentially one set of dual spinning it will force 50% of your force to the front axle and 50% to the rear axle so now you have to have a tire rotation on each axle and it will provide a lot more traction to get out of that situation but you still could have a scenario where two wheels are turning and two wheels are not and that uh, that is by design uh, and there is nothing wrong with the system it it um, it still works it it works that way uh, but again locking that power divider lock gives you kind of double the double the output or double the wheels that have to turn and can help you in that situation yeah just really more traction right correct nice anything else on that and kind of the secondary part with that uh, if you are spinning your tires sometimes your traction control can apply apply air to some of your wheels to try to stop them from turning and that's part of your traction control if you're driving in uh, slippery conditions that traction control will kick in and try to stop a wheel spin but sometimes when you're trying to get yourself out of a situation maybe rocking the truck or uh, just trying to get off some snow or ice conditions that system can actually work against you so in those situations you can disable that traction control that'll be a, a switch on the dash either labeled off-road or ATC for automatic traction control flipping that switch disables that system and then you uh, you may have more success getting out because you're not fighting the analog brake system trying to engage a brake when you're trying to rock a truck out of a out of a stuck situation is there a certain speed that you can't go above when that's disengaged yes that would only be at low speeds uh do not use it on on at highway speeds uh 15 mile an hour maximum uh anything over that make sure you re-engage that when you're on the highway yeah so that's just when you're around a yard or truck stop stuff like that trying to get that traction correct just just in your that's really the only place you would use that is in a yard situation trying to trying to maneuver or get uh, get out of a stuck situation all right yeah what's next fuel additive is a big one going in, going into winter so the first key is if you're purchasing or, or or fueling at our terminals the fuel will be treated for the conditions for the cold conditions so you do not need to add any additive at all our locations that's correct when we get down to those cold temps all of our terminals will treat treat the fuel as required so really adding adding any additive at that point is just is just a waste it does not have any benefit if you're fueling outside of the terminals your fuel and stop your fuel and route plan will tell you if that fuel is treated so take a look at that it'll tell you if that st fuel stop treats the fuel 
And if they do, great. No additional additive is needed. And if they don't? If they don't, you need to look at the current weather conditions. We, we, we want to treat fuel if it's going to be down to 10 degrees or less for a 24-hour period. So if you have that scenario, we would want to add additive. That additive can be picked up at any of our at any of our terminals. We'll issue it across the parts counter, and uh, you should have keep some of that on hand for for these type of situations. The typical scenario would be you're running in the south. You have untreated fuel because they don't need to treat it when it's down 45 degrees or something like that. So you have some untreated fuel. You're heading up into the uh, into a cold area where it's going to be 10 degrees or zero or something like that, then we would want to look at putting some additive in. And you definitely don't want to put that in the DEF, right? That's correct. The DEF is designed to freeze and it will freeze in the truck, but there's heaters that will thaw that out to to be used as needed. So very important, we never put any additive in the DEF that will cause uh, considerable downtime to get that rectified. And how much additive is being put into the fuel? When you're adding the additive, the, the additive that we issue out from rail treats, one, bo- one bottle will treat 100 gallons. So okay. you would put one bottle per tank, so two bottles to treat, it, to treat the truck. Uh, a reefer, you would cut that in half, so a half a bottle on a reefer trailer. If you're purchasing additive on the road, always look at that. Look at the bottle, see what it treats. Different manufacturers and and different uh, size bottles will treat different amounts of fuel. So just read the label; it'll tell you pretty quickly. Uh, right on the front, it'll tell you tell you how many gallons it treats, and then just add it accordingly. Yeah. And again, do not put that in the DEF. I cannot stress that enough. Do not put any additive in your DEF or uh, you, the truck will shut down, and then we'll have uh, you'll have extensive downtime getting it repaired. DEF and the DEF, only DEF and the DEF. That's correct. Only DEF and the DEF. All right. Anything else on that? That whole fuel treatment, making sure our truck keeps running. One other key point with adding your additive: if you're going to be shutting your truck down, it's important to add that fuel additive prior to shutdown. So stop. An hour before you before you plan to shut the truck down, put that additive in so we circulate it throughout the system. Uh, if we stop the truck, shut it down, put the additive in, it will just sit in the tank and not have the the va- it will not have the value of getting circulated through the system. So, adding additive, stop ahead of time, put the additive in, get it circulated well before we shut the truck down. All right, what's next? I want to spend a little time on being successful when the driver parks the truck on home time. There's several things we can do to be successful getting that truck going when when the driver wants to head back to work. So number one is all Freightliners have a, have a power disconnect switch just inside the driver's door. So between the driver's seat and the driver's door, there's a little knob there, a little switch. If they turn that switch to the off position, that will kill all accessories in the in the truck. So if a dome light gets left on or or the light under the bunk or some accessory that's left plugged in, it'll kill the power for that and will not drain the batteries. 
It'd be a good habit, though, to unplug everything, turn everything off, make check all that stuff. Again, this goes back to caring for the truck, because if you don't care for it, it's not going to care for you. You're not going to be able to move. Certainly. That, that's very important to disconnect any accessories that are not needed. Double-checking that truck, make sure th- everything's off. That disconnect switch is just a kind of a kind of a, a backup assurance yeah. that everything is, is disconnected. Yeah, you definitely don't want to come to a truck that doesn't start. That's correct. That's that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, we're going to be down extensive time getting a truck going. So important to 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 have batteries that are going to start the truck when we're ready to go. Yeah. The next thing is if we're parking the truck and it's going to be down to 20 degrees, get below 20 degrees, we want to plug that truck in. So it's important to plug it in to keep the truck warm so that the truck will start when we're ready to go. A few things to be successful with plugging it in is we need to use a 12-gauge extension cord. Now, that's a fairly heavy extension cord. It's, it's not rare. You can find that in any hardware store, but it's not your, not your typical light-duty household extension cord. It, it's a fairly heavy cord. So again, 12-gauge. We don't want to use anything longer than 100 feet. Uh, just with the with the draw on the on that cord, we need a need a, to keep it under 100 feet. We also need to make sure we plug that cord into a 20 amp circuit. So if we plug that into a light duty circuit, we probably will trip the breaker or blow the fuse. So we need a 20 amp 20 amp circuit. Uh, it's also important to be aware what what else is on that circuit. It's common for that cord to be plugged in into a, into a garage, but what else is on that circuit in the garage? So just one tip that I share with, with people is to plug in a, take a little nightlight and plug it into that same outlet, and then it's a very quick visual that uh, the power is still on and we're getting power out to the truck. And then the driver can just go check that once in a while, right? Correct. You know, hopefully it's in an area where they where they they have good visual on it or going in and out of the garage on their home time and they can get a good visual if that uh, if that light is still on. Yeah, and if they're at a truck stop, it's probably a little bit more difficult to get a plug-in, right? A to plug-in find an outlet. A, that's correct. A plug-in at a truck stop is pretty pretty rare. There, there's some out there but it's not the norm it's it's kind of the exception so that's not a not a common option that they have so then they're just not going to be plugging in is that right correct and when they the ones who do plug in it's going to heat that engine block keep it warm what the, what plugging that truck in what that actually does is is heats a heats your oil in your oil pan uh, most trucks uh, as far as the freight, the freight liners, that's the only thing it's going to do is heat that oil in the oil pan. So it's going to allow the engine to crank over easy because it's not going through the thick, it's not rotating through the thick oil in the oil pan. And then there's residual heat that rises through the engine and helps warm up your engine and keep that a little bit warmer. Uh, if you have an f- international truck, it actually will heat the oil pan and the block. But on a freight liner, it's only heating the oil in the oil pan. But that heat that rises should heat the block, right? That's correct. It's it's adequate to, to keep that engine warm by plugging that in. Another key point is, uh, and, a, and a common misconception, misconception is 
that plugging a truck in has no effect on the batteries. It does not charge the batteries. There is no impact on the batteries. The only thing it is doing is heating that heating that oil pan and, and keeping the engine warm. Yeah. And for the drivers that aren't by a plug-in, by an outlet, what should they do if they're going to be on home time? Well, that's where the critical point is. Make a plan ahead of time. What are we going to do on home time? Where is your driver going to park that truck? Uh, really need a plan where hopefully we can plug it in. Uh, you know, home is the best, or maybe they know a shop somewhere that they can park and plug it in. But make a plan ahead of time so that when we have our home time, we can be successful getting that truck going. Uh, you know, it kind of leads into the, the next tip that we have is when we're down to 10 degrees, we want to start that truck every 12 hours and run it for 30 minutes. You know, starting that truck every 12 hours ensures that our batteries will stay up. Uh, run it for 30 minutes, that fully charges the batteries and warms the truck up. You know, that's kind of something we probably need to do if we're parking at a truck stop and can't mm-hmm. plug it in. We'll need to start that truck a little more frequently uh, make sure that the batteries are not draining down for some reason or we maybe have a defective battery or something like that that would cause it not to start when, we, when we're going back to work. Yeah, when you need it. And, of course, this is going to take some time from a driver during their home time, which nobody wants, right? Nobody wants to have to do this stuff. But this is the kind of stuff that we just got to do. Just That's just the way it is, right? If we want to get back to work when it's time to get back to work. Right. It's it's unfortunate, but uh, that's that's something that we need to do when it's really cold out. We need to run it occasionally, make sure it's going to start. Uh, if we par- just park the truck for a few days, go home, expecting that truck to start in bitter cold when we're coming off home time, it's... It's, um, it's kind of wishful thinking that we're not going to have any problems. So we need to start that truck on a routine basis, get it up to temp, get those batteries charged up, and we'll be a lot more successful when we head out to work. Yeah, and it comes down again to if you don't take care of your truck, it's not going to take care of you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Anything else on this whole plugging in, keeping things ready to get back to work? Another critical part is not activating your idle management system. Now on the surface, it sounds like it's would be a perfect time to use that idle management system to, to start up and keep your batteries charged. But we don't want to use that system when the, we are not with the truck. The reasons for that, if, they're, if the truck fails to start for some reason, it could be a mechanical issue with a starter, uh, it could be maybe a defective... Um, anything defective that would allow it not to start if there's any fault codes. So the, the, the truck triggered a fault and it doesn't start. Or if the truck calls for a regen and that regen is not successful. If any of those things happen, the truck is not going to start. And at that point, it will quickly drain your batteries and drain the system completely so we cannot start it. At that point, the batteries are going to freeze up and we will not be able to get that truck going with a jump start once we get to that point. You know, at, the, at that point, we're pretty much 
limited to a tow and um, get it into a shop to get it going. When we have those bitter cold temps, trying to get into a shop is going to be a lengthy process. So it just really snowballs from there. Um, that's why we do not want to use your idle management system if we're not with the truck. Do not activate that. Just do we want to start the truck manually every 12 hours or so, get it charged up well. Now, if you plug it in, do you have to start it every 12 hours? We do if it's below 10 degrees. Okay. So if below 10 degrees, just plugging it in probably is not going to be sufficient. So we'd want to plug, we'd want to, with even though we're plugged in, we want to start that truck every every 12 hours, run it for 30, okay. for 30 minutes. Yeah, and uh, during those times, uh, there's a lot of people in the shop because they're not taking care of their stuff, I imagine, right? That's correct. The shops get very busy because of a lot of cold cold weather related items so the shops are going to really be really backed up and and um, that'll just add to the downtime of getting your truck going and a driver could be doing all the stuff we're talking about now they could be doing all that but stuff still can happen so you just got to be ready right and make and if it does happen make sure they're calling in right away to maintenance support and getting moving on getting the fix done right correct you know think of you know again a lot of it is Thinking ahead, don't don't just wait until until an hour before you need to be going to to check and see if that truck will 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 start and run. Um, we need to be proactive and kind of work with it throughout your home time to make sure that truck's going to start. Ideally, they bring the truck home, plug it in, keep an eye on that night light, make sure it's still on. Uh, start it every twelve hours, let it run for a half hour, uh, and then get back to work when it's time to get back to work. Right? That's correct. Go and make some money. Nice and smooth. Anything else on that, or are you ready to move on to the next uh, topic here? One additional item is when you when it, when it is really cold, we want to get that engine temp up when we do head back to work. So we've been off for a few days. We we've been starting it up, getting it uh, running it for running it for those thirty minute periods. But now we're ready to ready to head out to work. What we want to do is get that engine warmed up. We want to get that temp up to 140 degrees before we set out on the road. The reason for that, at idle, we typically can get enough fuel through the fuel filter to keep the truck running. But as soon as you get out on the highway, we're giving it full throttle. We're trying to push large amounts of fuel through that fuel filter. And that cold fuel and a cold fuel filter has a tendency to plug up. If we get that coolant temp up to 140 degrees before we venture out on the roadway, th- that fuel is getting some residual warmth in it and will typically get through the fuel filter without a problem. So again, we're he- now, we're, now we're planning to head out for the week, get that temperature engine temp up to 140 degrees before we go on the roadway and we should have success with the fuel and the fuel filter. Nice. What else? So next I'd like to spend a little time talking about options the driver has for maintaining cab comfort. So between 15 degrees and 85 degrees, the driver is not able to continuously idle the truck. If he allows it to idle, it will shut down. The reason for that is we have auxiliary items auxiliary systems to maintain that driver comfort. So 
There is a electric air conditioning unit that he can engage to keep the truck cool. And then there's a hydronic heater under the bunk that warms up the coolant in the heater core for heat. So under normal conditions, under those normal temperatures, the driver would activate the start-stop system or the optimized idle system and he would use those alternative heating and cooling systems for driver comfort. When the driver is in the truck. That would be when the driver is in the truck. They're Correct. away from the truck? Uh-uh. Right. So then we have the situations where we are outside of that 15 and 85 degrees. So it's really cold. It's below 15 degrees. The, the auxiliary heating system may not be quite adequate. So at that point, the driver can idle the truck. Uh, again, below 15 degrees, he can idle the truck to keep comfort with the engine running. Same thing with above 85 degrees. He can idle the truck, and then he can also use the engine's air conditioning unit to keep the truck cool. And when they're using that auxiliary unit, they can get that optimized or auto idle engaged. Correct. Kick the truck back on when the batteries get low, right? To charge it, them back up. It is important to enable your start stop or your optimized idle when you're running those alternative systems because they do drain the batteries down by activating those start stop or optimized idle. It'll keep the batteries charged up so we can be successful starting the truck when we are ready to go. Yeah. Anything else? One key point to remember with the with the 15 degrees and 85 degrees, we are talking ambient air temp. That does not that is not wind chill. And there's some misconceptions there. Sometimes it would, the wind chill will be below 15, but the air temp is above 15. At that point, the truck will not idle. So just a kind of a learning a uh, little bit of learning curve there sometimes that we need to explain to drivers that uh, that's ambient air not affected by wind chill. All right, that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening and make sure to tune in next time for another episode of Keeping It Trail.